Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the wins over Jacksonville State and Southern Miss. We'll also get you ready for the final two games of the non-conference slate against Oral Roberts and VCU. To help preview the Rams, we'll be joined by Wayne Epps Jr., who covers VCU athletics for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. We'll also have Buy or Sell and a great show for you coming up right after this when I'll be back with Taylor Eldridge Sr. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. It was a 2-0 week for the Shockers, but I'm not sure it felt that way. They take down Jacksonville State 69-65, take down Southern Miss 63-60. In all or in both games, the three upperclassmen in Haynes Jones, McDuffie, and Echenique led the team in scoring. And in both games, you saw instances where Shockers showed some fight. They get uh, make the plays late that they need to, but overall, still looking for that consistency that uh, we've been talking about so far this season. So Taylor, let's start with Jacksonville State. What'd you think overall with this game and and over? Overall, I, I guess you got to be happy you got out of there with a win. Yeah, you know, coming into that game, that was kind of a, a matchup of a, a very experienced team, senior-laden team at Jacksonville State against, you know, one of the most inexperienced teams in the country in Wichita State. So, you know, I know uh, the Shockers were pretty nervous about that game. You know, that's a, that's a dangerous opponent. I know they're not a big name, but that's still, you know, a pretty good mid-major. And, uh, you know, much like this whole season, you know, Wichita State has, you know, stretches of very, very good play and then stretches of very, very, very bad play. And that's kind of the story of the season so far. And, you know, no lead is safe uh, with this team. That's kind of what I've learned through uh, the first 10 games. And, you know, this was a case where Wichita State looked like they had this game in hand. You know, then they, they struggled to, to kind of close it out. But then at the very end, they're able to make just enough plays to, to get this one done for a 69-65 victory. Biggest stats from the game, in my opinion, Wichita State was plus 11 in rebounds, which led to plus 8 in second chance points. They were also plus 24 in points in the paint. So this was really a game where the Shockers were able to take advantage of a height uh, advantage that they had, get down low and score some buckets around the rim. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the the scouting report, it was very obvious that, you know, Wichita State wanted to to leverage its height and its, you know, bulk advantage uh, in the paint. And they were able to do that, you know, 42 points in the paint. That's probably a season high. I haven't looked at that, but, you know, that's a lot of points in the paint. And, you know, this team is very, very streaky when it comes to, to jump shooting. So the less jump shots it can take the more shots at the rim you know that's that's going to lead to better offense and you know you look at this game five for 18 on threes not a very good jump shooting game but how are they able to make up for that because you know they get Ichinike uh, you know a bunch of uh, shots at the rim you know Samaje had some uh, even McDuffie was posting up a couple of times so um, you know Wichita State made that their priority and they were able to accomplish that and you know carry out that and execute it 
on offense, and they were able to, to get the win because of that. Marcus McDuffie was only one rebound shy of a double-double. Jacksonville State, their largest lead was only by two, and that was in the first half. So this was a game that never really seemed in doubt, but also the Shockers were never really able to kind of have that last punch to, to get them over the top. Yeah, you know, I think that's just going to come with time. You know, the more experiences uh, that, that these guys get of playing in close games, and right now they're getting a ton of it. You know, I looked this up last year because, you know, the, the, I think the two or three years before that, you know, WSU hadn't really faced very much adversity. They hadn't faced, you know, very many close games down the stretch in the second half. And last year with the, the changeover to the American, you saw, you know, a very, very talented Shockers team get get faced with a lot more adversity. And, you know, with this year with as much turnover as they're going to have, you know, already in the non-conference, it seems like all of these games – uh, basically, but Rice and Louisiana Tech are coming down to you know the last four minutes of the game and the OU one too. Um, but you know a lot of these games are, are being decided in the last four minutes, and you know it's a, it's going to be a nerve-wracking season for the fans. But this is good experience for the players, and I think it's going to be up and down all season. You know it's it's just the way it's going to be. Uh, but you know the more they're in those situations, the more comfortable they're going to be doing it uh, later in the season. I think. On Saturday, the Shockers were able to snap their losing streak at Interest Bank Arena. They take down Southern Miss 63-60. The overall stats from this game, very similar to the Jacksonville State game, but it was quite a different ride. Wichita State led by as much as 17 points in the second half, actually with less than 14 minutes to go. They give up the lead late, but make the plays necessary late to win. I think your game story put it perfectly. Late in the game, you had Ricky Torres, who had struggled with turnover issues throwing to Echenique, who had struggled to catch the ball, but when they needed to make a play, overall they did. Yeah, that was kind of the theme of the game was was redemption. And, you know, Marshall made a good point after the game that, you know, he's going to have to play. I mean, he doesn't have, you know, the, the chance to or the luxury to bench these guys when they make a mistake because, you know, all these guys are, you know, new players that are making mistakes. And, you know, you know, Ricky Torres, even though he had six turnovers and, you know, Jamie Ichinike, even though he had three turnovers, they're still out there when the game is in, you know, the game is on the line and they had to have it. You know, uh, Marshall put the faith in those guys to, to make a play and he doesn't really have any other choice. But, you know, that's that's just kind of the story of this game. And I thought that was pretty much the the kind of the theme, like I said, redemption for all these guys, you know, Ricky really struggled with some some bad bad turnovers in the second half but he puts that pass on the money uh, for the alley-oop for Jamie and then he finally catches the ball clean and lays it in uh, you know Eric Stevenson uh, 0 for 8 and then he hits a huge three-pointer down the stretch when uh, Southern Miss was rallying uh, he stepped up and made the play also had the tip out on the the free throw made a couple of you know clutch plays down the stretch even though he really struggled shooting so some of these guys, even though they're making mistakes in the course of the game, you know they, they found a way to pull it out there in the end and, and came through with some clutch plays. Echenique had 17 points and 11 rebounds. That's his second career double-double. I mentioned in the game against Jacksonville State, rebounds, points in the paint, and second-chance points were key. Listen to these. It's almost identical. Plus 17 in rebounds, plus 20 in points in the paint, plus 16 in second-chance points. So to the Shockers' credit, yes, they are maybe missing a lot of jump shots, but they're very good on the offensive glass and taking care of business on those second-chance opportunities. 
Yeah, and you know that's this that was the the key for this last week. You know they played two teams that that played pretty small lineups. You know neither of them really had a traditional power forward, and you know sometimes that can you know be to the disadvantage because you have to go out there and guard some of those guys. But you know Wichita State did a good job of taking advantage and making the other teams pay for not having the height that that could match up with Wichita State and you know the Shockers especially after getting basically punked on the road at OU uh, you know Marshall was very very upset with the big men uh, really challenged them this week coming in to you know you know this is a great two good opportunities to to take advantage and kind of show me what you can do and what do they do you know two straight dominant rebounding uh, games and they absolutely needed it because they did not shoot the ball very well. Yeah, it certainly wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. If we look at both games, there were some questionable decisions that were made down the stretch. We look at a pass Ricky Torres makes against Jacksonville State when the game was all but wrapped up. We see Marcus McDuffie missing free throws late. Samaje obviously uh, fouls on the three at the end of the game at Interest Bank Arena. And I guess we're just lucky that that uh, young man got hurt, although certainly wish him well. Um, so, you know, what do particularly the upperclassmen need to do? And I'm going to throw Torres and Echenique in this group because by the end of the first semester, you you know, you, you should know how what's going on here. What do the upperclassmen need to do to maybe lead this team as we head into conference play? Yeah, you know, the, it's just the decision making and being able, you know, as a coach, you want to be able to trust your upperclassmen to, to know that you can put them on the floor and they're going to make the right decisions and they're not going to make silly mistakes. And right now, you know, Marshall has... I don't know if he has anyone that he can trust. Like if he if he just knows a hundred percent, hey, I can put you out on the floor. You're gonna make the right basketball play, whatever it is, every single time. You know, Marcus McDuffie is probably the closest to that. But even him, you know, he really struggled those last two games. You know, forcing the issue on offense, and you know, he's so good when he just lets the game come to him, and you know, he takes those in rhythm shots. But it just seems like there's times where he just kind of gets impatient, and he's like, I want to go get mine, and he you know throws up those really weird you know those drives to the basket and he's just like falling down and he just kind of throws it up there I mean there's shots that have no chance of going in takes a lot of contested long two-pointers and you know the same goes for Samaje too you know the ball's moving uh, you know WSU has great ball mo- movement around the perimeter it gets to Samaje he puts it on the floor and takes a shot you know what was wrong with you know just keeping the ball moving and you know passing and, and cutting without the ball and you know, he, he said it after the game that he realizes that that's the that's the the road to good offense to keep the ball moving moving and you know that's an issue that he struggles with and that's something he's gonna have to get better at and you know it's just you know you have to think that I mean he only played you know like 250 minutes or whatever it was last season so really he he hasn't been out there very much and uh, you know all these guys like I said I mean they're just gonna get better the more they're on the floor the more they're in these opportunities these situations you can't really replicate them in practice you can't you know replicate that kind of pressure and that kind of split second decision making and you know the more they do it the better they're going to get um but for now you know it's probably going to be up and down all season uh you know unless they make some significant strides I think it's going to be pretty pretty rocky, pretty up and down for the rest of the season. We p- talked about the upperclassmen. If you had to pick out one freshman that, you know, if they step up, this team continues to make progress as we go into conference play, who would that be? I think the one that comes to mind is probably Morris Udeze at center. I think, you know, uh, with Jamie uh, Ichinike, you know, he's playing at a very high level. Uh, you know, he might be, you know, outside McDuffie. He's probably the, the second best player on this team right now. And 
but, you know, his conditioning, you know, he hasn't been able to stay in games, whether it's foul trouble or just conditioning. And, uh, you know, you're looking at at least 20 minutes every game as a up for grabs. And, you know, if Morris Udeze can, can come in and deliver those big minutes, you know, we've seen some, some very good flashes from him. I love the the ferocity that he he rebounds with. Uh, sometimes he'll just rip away the ball and you know really chest it up. And you know uh, coaches love that stuff when they see guys really squeeze the ball like that. And um, I think if he can play those big minutes off the bench uh, to relieve Jamie, you know maybe even down the road maybe they play them together. Uh, that's something we haven't seen this season. Those two playing on the court at the same time. Uh, Marshall has played pretty much just McDuffie and Rod Brown at the four. So, um, but I think Morris off the bench. I think that's a really important one to keep Wichita State's rebounding at a high level, and uh, also not to have a drop off when you have you know one of your best players come off the four. So, you know Eric Stevenson is another one, but you know he's already making plays that making winning plays. You know he hasn't shot great this season. Uh, you know he's he's been very good at home, very bad on the road. But you know he's still finding ways to to make winning plays, whether it's those tip outs uh, or just like little things on defense. So he's still impacting the game. And then you have a guy like Dexter Dennis too, who's still you know waiting to make that that big impact. We saw you know a, a flash of it, you know the second half against Alabama. But you know ever since then it's kind of been hit or miss with him, and uh, we're still waiting for his offense to come through. But he's also, you know, a very good rebounder, making defensive plays as well. And uh, he's making an impact, you know, without scoring, which is what you want to do. You bring up Dexter. Do you have any update from the injury he suffered on Saturday? Yeah, Marshall, on his uh, in his Tuesday press conference, he said that he's definitely out for Wednesday's game. Uh, no question about it. He's still, you know, concussion uh, symptoms and uh, he's going to have to clear the protocol, and he's not sure yet if he's going to be available for Saturday's game at VCU. You know, it's too early to tell if he's going to travel with the team or not or if it'll be a game-time decision. I know that Marshall is hopeful that he's going to be able to play, but, you know, definitely out for Wednesday. It doesn't sound, you know, just the, the, the gist that I get, it doesn't sound likely he's going to play on Saturday. And, you know, if he doesn't play, he's going to have, you know, almost two weeks before the next game at Memphis on January the 3rd so he'll have plenty of time won't miss very much or won't miss another game after that Um, but you know it's going to be you know it's going to come down to to Friday pretty much if he can clear that concussion protocol to to determine if he plays and you know Wichita State's going to need him at VCU they can use as many guards as they can as they can take so that's going to be a big uh, you know big story to, to watch as the week unfolds. VCU known for their athleticism so certainly it would be great to have Dexter on Saturday. Another thing I didn't mention when we were talking about the Jacksonville State game and that's that the streak is over when he <laughs> hit it at the end of the first half I thought there was a talk angry curse but by golly, he got one in the second half. Wild thing, Rick Torres puts it in the basket. The three-point curse is over. It is, and, it, you know, it feels glorious. You know, the, it felt like time had stopped, and, you know, Coke Arena just erupted. You know, I think they a lot of fans, I mean, give Wichita State fans credit. I feel like they are Listening to this show. Yeah, they're, they're clearly listening to our show because that's the only reason you would be able to know that, you know, Ricky Torres was 0 for 20. Oh, excuse me, and reading your great work at Kansas.com. Uh, mostly the podcast, though. <laughs> but, you know, 0 for 20 before that finally hits one. But, you know... <laughs> That's that's just an ugly looking percentage. Five percent is what Ricky Torres is shooting from three this season. 
one for 20. It's just, it's bizarre for a guy that shot 43% from three as a Juco All-American to go from that to 5% through the first 10 games. You know, this isn't just like a blip on the radar. You know, this is a 10-game stretch now. This is, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, it's a sizable evidence. So, you know, he's going to have to really turn it around and, you know, just to think about what he has to do just to get to 30% on the season. You know, he's going to have to shoot probably close to, you know, 45% the rest of the season just to get to, uh, uh, you know, the 30% mark. Another bit of shocker news this week. On Monday, it was announced that freshman Chance Moore is transferring from the program. Uh, never really seemed to catch on, particularly from a minutes perspective. Uh, showed some offensive flashes and uh, shocker madness. Thought he might be able to help the team this year, but ends up not being a good fit. You had to think with the you know large amount of this freshman class that you know more than likely this was would happen. But uh, you were at Coach Marshall's press conference today, and maybe just talk a little bit about what he had to say. Yeah, you know, he, he said he, uh, I'll just read you the quote, he said, I wish him well, I like him as a young person, I hope he does well wherever he ends up. We had some disagreements, mostly on playing time, so that's what most people could, could piece together. You know, Chance only played 20 minutes in four games, uh, didn't appear in, um, I think, three of them. The last time he was in uniform was uh, the Baylor game, and then he didn't make the trip to Oklahoma City. Uh, he was on the bench last Wednesday and then wasn't on the team anymore by the time of Saturday's game at Interest Bank Arena. So basically it just came down to, to playing time a chance more. You know, this is a kid that came in known to get buckets. You know, uh, there there's some stories about him, you know, putting up 30, 40 points at the, the prep level. And, you know, this kid can really score. But, you know, what it came down to was, you know, to play for Coach Marshall, you got to be committed to defense. you got to be committed to rebounding. you got to be committed to, you know, the details. And that's something that maybe Chance Moore wasn't, you know, ready to do or I guess commit, you know, 100% in doing. Uh, you know, he's used to just going out there and, and scoring and getting buckets and not really worrying about anything else. And I think that just kind of caught up with him. And, you know, it wasn't a good fit uh, in the end. So, you know, you never like to see it in this early, but I guess the upside is for Chance, you know, he's, he retains three and a half years of eligibility if he's able to transfer somewhere before that second semester starts and, you know, he can play next December. Um, and then the upside for Wichita State, you know, clears up a roster spot, uh, which they had to do anyway after this season. You know, they, they signed three on signing day, so they had to, to get rid of somebody uh, going into next year and this kind of uh, answers the question early so you know upsides for both parties um, I would keep an eye on Dayton uh, you know Donnie Jones was uh, Chance's lead recruiter uh, when he was at Wichita State you know and Chance had Dayton in his final four and now Donnie Jones ends up at Dayton so that seems to be an obvious choice uh, also Virginia Tech and Butler were the other two that that were recruiting Chance so we'll have to see where he ends up. I just want to bring up one thing and then we'll take a break. You didn't quite read the entire quote <laughs> from Coach Marshall. At the uh, end of that, I believe he said if the paper did not print uh, his said, minutes played. He said if you guys hadn't put the minutes played per game in the paper so much, he might still be here. And, you know, I can forward, Hashtag blame Taylor. I can forward Coach Marshall all the angry voicemails I get about the Wichita <laughs> Eagle not printing the stats in the paper anymore because the newspaper has, you know, just declined. Got to go online to get those. Got to go online. So haven't re wrote about Chance all season. Haven't really wrote about his, you know, minutes played. So not sure. That kind of came out of left field. 
but you know I guess I'll, I'll I'll take that's on me, you know, putting the minutes played. Hashtag blame Taylor. It's available nowhere else on the internet. It's only it's only by me. Not available on GoShockers.com. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll preview the final two games of the non-conference slate, the Wednesday matchup with Oral Roberts and Saturday at PCU. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll move into our game preview, starting with Wednesday's matchup with Oral Roberts. The Golden Eagles come in at 4-9 and nine on the season. They're led by head coach Paul Mills, who's in his second season, and they were picked to finish sixth in the Summit League. Their most notable win is over Richmond, but they have losses to Missouri, Missouri State, SMU, Florida Gulf Coast, TCU. This is certainly a game that the Shockers should be able to get healthy at at home, and I'd be disappointed if they don't win this one by double digits. Yeah, this is uh, very similar to the Rice game um, at home. This is a game that Wichita State should control. I mean, I don't know if they're going to come out as well as they did against Rice. That was probably, you know, um, the first half was probably one of the best halves they've played uh, on both ends this season. You know, the first half against Baylor, that comes to mind as well. So, you know, this is a game, like you said, you know, Wichita State shouldn't have any problems taking care of them. You know, Jacksonville State and Southern Miss, they were at least, you know, uh, dangerous somewhat. So uh, Oral Roberts, you know, probably a bottom 50 team in Division One. Uh, to give you an idea, you know, Kalen Malone, uh, the former walk-on at Wichita State, he is now the starting point guard at Oral Roberts. So that kind kind of puts it in perspective for you, um, you know, Great, great news for Kalen and, uh, you know, big, big props for him, you know, going to a, a Division One and getting a scholarship his senior year. But, um, you know, this is a you have to keep that in perspective, too. You know, he was a walk on for Wichita State last year. So, you know, this is a team that the Shockers shouldn't have any problems for. Uh, they should, you know, be able to, to get a big lead. Uh, you know, the big the big thing here is just, you know, sustaining that big lead and kind of putting your foot down and finishing this game. You know, don't get up by 20 and let them cut it back to, you know, nine points and force Marshall to, to burn a 30-second timeout. You know, this is a game you want to get up 20 at half and then, you know, put it to 30 and then just play out the rest of the game. Game tips at 7 p.m. will be broadcast on Your View 22. Golden Eagles, Ken Palmwise are number 289. So as Taylor mentioned, uh, a bottom 30 school when it comes to Division One, They score around 71 points per game, allow 77, shoot at 44% from the field, but only 32% from three. Uh, the Golden Eagles, they've scrimmaged Wichita State in the past couple years, played in non-con, so uh, you mentioned Kalen's down there. Should be a team that they're somewhat familiar with. Yeah, you know, this is a, a, this is another opportunity for Wichita State's bigs, too, to, to dominate the rebounding battle. Um, you know, this should be the third straight game where Wichita State comfortably wins the battle on the glass, and then that means, you know, it shouldn't matter uh, how the Shockers shoot on their jump shots because, you know, if they're rebounding a lot of their own misses, then that's just going to give them a lot of second-chance opportunities. So that's the way you can ensure a win, uh, you know, without a good jump-shooting game. And uh, although it would be nice to see, you know, the Shockers, I think they are a better three-point shooting team than, you know, the the record indicates. I think they're shooting like 30, uh, 31% as a team 
I think that should be closer to maybe 34. So uh, maybe that, that gets closer to average with a, a good three-point shooting game against a, a team like Oral Roberts where you know the opportunities are, are going to be there to make uh, open shots. We'll move now into our preview of Saturday's non-conference finale for the Shockers as they take on the VCU Rams. The game is at 3 p.m. Central Time and will be broadcast on ESPN2. To help us preview the Rams, we're joined now by Wayne Epps Jr., who covers the team for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Wayne, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? We certainly appreciate you taking the time with us, and it's great to see Wichita State and VCU taking on each other out on the hardwood again. Uh, If you would, just for our listeners, kind of give us an idea, what were the expectations for VCU coming into this season, second season under head coach Mike Rhodes? Oh uh, yes, um, it's kind of, kind of, I guess, uh, a little bit, uh, you know, to be determined in a sense. Um, it was a little bit of a transition year last year, uh, like you mentioned with uh, Coach Mike Rose coming in last year uh, after Will Wade went to LSU, um, and a little bit of a down year for VCU standards last year, going 18 and 15, uh, nine and nine, the eight ten. Um, they, they didn't play in a postseason tournament for the first time in a while, and after making a you know a, str- a, str- uh, a string of NCAA tournaments, so. Um, this year they were picked seventh in the A-10 going in. Uh, wasn't quite sure. They lost a big player in Justin Tillman, um, you know, A-10 first team player. So it wasn't, you know, quite sure what, what they would be, but, uh, we knew there would be uh, more, more depth, um, this year, which was, has turned out to be a, you know, a big factor. And, um, they really kind of, uh, turned their defense, defensive play around. Last year was a big weakness for them. Uh, and then this year they made it, made it their strength and this allowed them to, um, to kind of be in every game and, and, and have a kind of better performance uh, out of the gate this year than last year. So, um, so you know, this, this year's team seems to be overall, you know, just kind of a lot better than than uh, last year. It's a little bit more um, consistent and, and, and stable. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the defensive, the defensive play. Yeah, VCU kind of uh, made its landmark win at Texas. Um, and since then, you know, they've lost two, no shame in losing to Virginia, but uh, home loss to Charleston. What what seems to to have happened uh, these last two games? Or uh, how did how did uh, Charleston kind of beat them uh, this last game? Uh, yes, uh, uh, the big thing with Charleston, uh, they kind of have a, a one-two punch uh, with Grant Riller, guard, and uh, forward uh, Jarrell Brantley. They really kind of kind of took over and um, scored a combined 56 points. And um, a big thing uh, VC has talked about a lot is kind of their play down the stretch. Um, they had a lead on on, on UVA um, in the second half. Uh, uh, UVA kind of was able to pull away on um, the last part of that second half to, to win um, against uh, uh, Charleston. Uh, VC took the lead back early in the second half, and then uh, Charleston kind of went on a, a run and, and took it back and, and held on. Uh, so that's something that they're, they're kind of working, you know, working to fix. And uh, I guess Charleston specifically, you know, talking about the defense, uh, again, it's been, you know, a big improvement throughout the year this year. But um, they, it was kind of, uh, I guess, arguably that their worst defensive performance against Charleston. Um, they allowed them to shoot uh, 51%. And, uh, it just wasn't the kind of the defense performance that they've shown throughout the year previous, previous to that. So uh, that was a big factor uh, this past Saturday. VCU has a week off in between games against Charleston and then the game on Saturday against Wichita State, so focus can be on the Shockers all week long. You had a great quote on your Twitter today, and for our listeners, you can follow Wayne on Twitter at Wayne Epps Jr., and it was from Coach Mike Rhodes. He said his favorite moment from the team's previous matchup was uh, in 2011, Joey Rodriguez hit the free throws to win the Bracket Busters game, 
And the coach says, because of all the games I've been a part of in my whole life, that was the single loudest moment I've ever uh, been to in an arena. So maybe just talk about this matchup. Are, are VCU fans excited to have the series with Wichita State again? And uh, ha- have they reacted positively to having Coach Rhodes, who's kind of off that uh, shock of smart tree? Yes, definitely, definitely. I think uh, the VCU fans recognize uh, what Wichita State has done, I guess, in a way, I guess you can draw some similarities to two programs and kind of what they've been able to do, um, and you know, the last you know decade or so. So, um, and then again, those those games, those three games they played between 2011 and 2012. Um, you know, I'm sure there's uh, you know there's a lot of good memories of Free State fans from those games. That, that like you mentioned that quote from uh, Coach Rose today, um, talking about the uh, bracket busters uh, game. That was actually the, the final four year for VCU in 2011 before they went on to go to the final four that year. Um, and Jordan Rodriguez hit uh, two free throws late to win that for VCU. And, um, of course, the next season, the, uh, the following season, the two teams faced in the Inspire Tournament. So, uh, and Rose, Coach Rose was uh, an assistant for Shaka Smart for each of those three games. So he knows the matchups. And um, there's also kind of an additional piece just for Richmonders. Um, Greg Marshall, of course, played in college at Randolph-Macon, which is just outside of Richmond in, in Ashton, Virginia. Uh, and right after his playing career, he, he coached for two years uh, for uh, legendary Randolph-Macon coach Kyle Nunnally. And um, Rhodes' first job out of, um, out, of, out of school, his first coaching job was under Nunnally uh, for a couple of years. And then he took over for Nunnally as head coach. He was there for 10 years before he became an assistant for Shaka Smart. So it was kind of those, those parallels uh, and connections there. So I think it's, it's a, a matchup that uh, VC is definitely excited about. Yeah, and, you know, VCU is, is known for that, that Havoc Press, and, you know, it looks like they've had a lot of success turning people over this season. Is that, you know, priority number one for Saturday's game, or what do you feel like, what do the Rams need to do to, to come out with a win against Wichita State? Um, definitely need to shoot the ball better than they have. Uh, even though the defense has improved a lot, uh, the offense has kind of taken a little bit of a, a slide compared to last year. Last year, the, the thing was uh, they knew they could score, but the defense wasn't always there. This year, the defense has been there, but the shooting and scoring hasn't been consistent. So definitely um, better shooting, particularly from three-point range. Um, and I've also noticed that, you know, Wichita State has, you know, been very good on the offensive glass. And uh, I think every game this year, they've uh, outscored teams at second-chance points. And um, VCU has a, a, a minus 1.6 rebound margin this, this year overall. So uh, definitely hitting the glass, especially, uh, you know, trying to get those defensive rebounds and prevent, uh, the second chance to which I say will be big on Saturday. The Rams are led in scoring by 6'2 redshirt junior guard Marcus Evans. What do you like about his game? And then in addition to Evans, is there maybe an under-the-radar player that you think could have an impact on this matchup on Saturday? Uh, yes, Evans has, has been, uh, you know, it's a really good player. He's, he's a player who trashed. He, was, he played under uh, Coach Rose at, at Rice before uh, Rose was hired at VCU last year, and he transferred then to VCU after Rose came to, came to VCU. Uh, he was a player that kind of had high expectations. Uh, obviously, he had to sit out last year for the transfer year. Um, and then he had a couple injuries. He had a, he, he tore his uh, one Achilles um, the, his transfer year last summer, and then he tore the opposite one this past June. So um, it was kind of uncertainty when he would come back, but he ended up being able to come uh, to play in the season opener, and he hasn't miss, missed any games. Um, but he's, he's been a little bit uh, inefficient. Um, uh, you know, but it's probably, I think part of that is he's not quite 100% still coming off that injury. Uh, uh, last week, uh, Rhodes said that he's maybe about 70% or so. 
Um, but the big thing for him, he's just, he's just so athletic. Um, he can create steals and he can just kind of create his own shots and he can kind of you know, take, put the game in his, in his, in his own hands. Um, and, and kind of, you know, if, if, if BC needs a spark, he can kind of take things over at certain points in the game. So, um, he's a very talented player. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, once, you know, moving on, at BC kind of moves on from this and goes into conference play, kind of what he brings once he's uh, maybe 100%. Um, and then besides him, uh, one player who's having a, a really good stretch recently is uh, Marcus Santos Silva, the sophomore forward. Uh, he's played really well uh, on the glass and, and just kind of inside uh, the last last few games, averaging a double-double about, about 11 points, 11 rebounds the last four games. Uh, so, you know, it would be interesting to see if he's able to kind of keep that keep that streak going, especially, like I mentioned, with how important I think, uh, you know, the rebounding will be uh, on Saturday's game. Last question for you, Wayne. What kind of atmosphere can we expect on Saturday? How have the VCU fans been supporting this season? Uh, yes, uh, it should be a raucous. Um, you know, VCU uh, kind of uh, pride themselves in, in, uh, in, in, their, in their crowd and their atmosphere, and uh, they've been able to kind of uh, put together a, a sellout streak. Uh, it's at uh, 123 now, uh, a sellout streak. The arena seats about a little over 7,600 so you know that's, that's kind of that's kind of part of that that havoc uh, brand is is the crowd. Um, you know, at certain points in the game, you know, if, if you see you know trapping or creates a turnover or something like that, the crowd will really get into it and and, and really really get get loud. And you, you can you can really see how that affects the team on the court. They really it really kind of sparks them and, and gives them a, a charge at certain points in the game. So the crowd always seems to be a factor for home games at VCU. So. Um, that's something to always always expect, and it kind of makes it in the, the band. The band is kind of well known as well, and they, they kind of play a part in, in that um, that just kind of uh, noise level and, and, and energy in the, in the arena. Well, it should be a great atmosphere on Saturday, as you allude to. Our listeners can follow Wayne on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Wayne Epps Jr. You can also read his work at Richmond.com. Thanks a lot, Wayne. All right, thank you. We'll move now into our preview of the game with VCU. They are currently the 90th ranked team in Ken Palm. They'll come in on Saturday at 7-4 on the year. They have wins over Temple and, as we mentioned, at Texas. However, they have lost two straight to Virginia and College of Charleston and will have seven days off in between contests. Taylor, when you look at this matchup, it's two schools that you know have had a lot of success recently. Uh, VCU known for their havoc. They're going to have a great home atmosphere. So there's so many similarities. The colors look the same. So many similarities you can make between these two programs. Do you think this young Shocker team is ready to go into an environment like this, face a team like this, and be able to come out with a victory? Uh, personally, I, I'm i not sure they are, but we'll see. You know, this is a team that surprised me already, you know, through 10 games. But, you know, I think uh, their level of play, how they've, you know, handled situations through the first 10 games, I don't really see this as a great situation to be going into as the first really true road test. Um, you know, VCU's defense has just been lights out this season. You know, you mentioned that the Havoc defense, and, uh, you know, they're going to press, you know, they're going to, you know, come with multiple presses. And I don't know if Wichita State really has the bodies or, you know, the decision-making really to, to handle something like that and not turn the ball over, you know, 20-plus times. But, you know, that's going to be the, the challenge because, you know, VCU is turning people over at a very high rate. You know, they're, they're not giving you great looks. You know, they're number three in the nation in effective field goal percentage on defense. 
you know, they're giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. That's, you know, that's the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is, you know, you know, you can hurt them on second chances, but you know, they're not, you know, they're, they're forcing a lot of contested looks and, you know, they just speed you up and, you know, for, for Wichita State, that's going to be a huge challenge. You know, like you said, I mean, playing on the road this is going to be the first time a crowd is, you know, actively rooting against them. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this team uh, handles that. You know, Marshall kind of mentioned uh, today that, you know, Wichita State hasn't been very good handling first. You know, the first game of the season against Louisiana Tech, the first time away from Coke Arena against, uh, I think it was Davidson. Um, and then the first kind of semi-road game uh, against OU. So this will be the first true road game, and he hopes to see a better result there. The Rams score 67.6 points per game and allow 63.1. They shoot at 38.9% from the field, but only 27.9% from three. So you just brought up that game against Davidson. I think if the Shockers are able to win this game, it's a defensive matchup, and they don't have to worry about as much putting the ball in the basket on the other end, but I think if they can match the Rams' defensive intensity, this should be a pretty good game. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see the the pace of this game. You know, Wichita State has played at a pretty fast pace this season, but, you know, it's been dragged down a couple of times. You mentioned, you know, like the Davidson game, uh, the Southern Miss game was kind of a slow pace as well. So, you know, are the Shockers going to get sped up and, you know, play in a very, very high-tempo game, kind of like the the Alabama or maybe Appalachian State game? Or is this going to be, you know, more if if they can survive the pressure, you know, run some of your half-court sets, Uh, hold on to the ball, you know, take a breather a little bit. Um, I think that's going to be key. And, um, you know, I I think that's, you know, I think Wichita State is going to have to win ugly a lot this season. And, you know, that's probably the best best case scenario on the road at VCU, you know, to win like a a 65-62 game, something like that, and something similar to what we saw this last week. The Rams average 8.2 steals per game and 4.8 blocks. They turn it over 15.1 times per game, but they are forcing 17.3 turnovers per game. So if we had to point to one stat, does it ultimately just come down to who takes care of the basketball will win on Saturday? Yeah, that and I think uh, maybe an even more important one is is what you do off those turnovers. I think if who capitalizes more off the the other's mistakes, it, it, you know, VCU turns the ball over a lot, you know, Wichita State's probably going to turn the ball over a lot against that pressure. So, you know, uh, capitalizing off those live ball turnovers where, you know, you have a backpedaling defense, uh, th- those are the best scoring opportunities in basketball. And, you know, who who is able to cash in on more of those? Uh, Wichita State has been really, really bad in transition defense this season. It's it's improved a little since the start, but it's still, you know, overall pretty poor. So uh, this just isn't a great matchup for the Shockers. I think really the 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 hope is that they they finally have that one game where it, the shooting comes together, kind of like the Alabama game where you know that second half they just kind of catch fire and you know. I just I think that something like that they're gonna have to maybe play over their heads a little bit to to win this game. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but we talked about what a good record coming out of non-conference would be. You have to think they take care of business on Wednesday against Oral Roberts. You sneak out a victory against VCU. You're sitting at 8-4 and four after non-con, which with all the ups and downs that we've seen already this season, I think you'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, wins over Providence, wins over Baylor. Uh, you know, Jacksonville State, Southern Miss, you know, VCU, all five of those teams are going to be, you know, respectable. 
and you know eight and four that's that's probably you know uh at some of these uh, the way that they have played at some points this season that's you know pretty incredible and uh but you know coming into the season you know i would say you know probably like c plus b minus range you know probably what you were about to you know expect you know a, a road win at vcu would be very nice you have to think you know that'd be a four game winning streak and you know make a lot of shocker fans more optimistic going into american play certainly we'll have a lot of time off after that as well to get ready for conference play let's go ahead and make some predictions we'll start with wednesday's matchup with oral roberts as i mentioned i think it's disappointing if they don't win by double digits quite possibly disappointing if you don't win by 15 to 20 but what what do you got score wise i'm gonna go wichita state takes care of business on this one i'll go 84 to 62 I'm going to say 75 to 58. I think they they hold Oral Roberts down most of the first half. Maybe it's a uglier second half, as we've seen can be the case, but but uh, certainly will be a good day for the Shockers. Moving on, Saturday, 3 p.m. ESPN2, nationally televised at VCU. All the games back in the day, 2011, 2012, Bracket Busters, NCAA Tournament, they've all been close. Malcolm Armstead, if you remember, last time went to VCU, got the win on a last-second shot, really changed the perspective of that year's season. Can the Shockers do it? Maybe, yeah, maybe that's what happens here again. And, you know, Wichita State shows me something, but, you know, like I said, up until this point, what they've shown me to this point, you know, I'm not... I just don't think this is a very good matchup for the Shockers, so I think this is, uh, I mean, they're going to take another L to end the non-conference. I'll go VCU 74-64. to I think this is a closer game than 10. I think it ultimately comes down to guard play. If Dexter Dennis plays, that certainly helps. I would like to see Ricky Torres maybe step up and be a primary ball handler, particularly against a team that's going to have a lot of pressure. But ultimately, I think VCU will win this. I'll say 74-70. Maybe make a three, too. Maybe. If he's lucky. A three. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, so it's the cliche that you hear every season. You're a team that's going to take things one game at a time. With Wichita State this season, they've been in a lot of close games. You never really know what's going to happen. So is that actually going to be something that's really true of this Shocker team that they are going to really be able to take things one game at a time as they head into conference play because they really don't know what to expect. They're not going to get ahead of themselves looking down the schedule because they really know they have to focus on each individual game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this team can really afford to to look ahead. You know, they haven't really earned the right to do that. You know, they haven't really, you know, you know, beaten teams consistently. And I think that's that's going to be the the mark of this team if it's going to take that next step is if they can put together a winning streak. And you know, uh, like we said, we expect it to go up to three uh, after Wednesday. Make it four. That's something. You know, three is okay. Four. That okay. We're talking about a streak there, especially going into American plays. So that's something that. You know, seven of the ten games have been decided basically in the last four minutes. I think that's that's we might see seven, seven, eight more, uh, maybe even more than that in American play. So I think that's definitely uh, something that's going to be true. So I will I will buy that. I'll buy that as well. Outside of the Oklahoma game, they've been in virtually every game they've played. They don't necessarily have that signature win, although I love the Providence win. They don't really have a bad loss. So, you know, it, it got ugly in the second half against Oklahoma, but still I wouldn't necessarily count that as a bad loss. So I, I will buy that as well. 
All right, so early in the season, McDuffie had some great efficiency numbers, but the last couple games, those have dropped off. So buy or sell, McDuffie will struggle to remain efficient the rest of the season as defenses are keyed on stopping him. So am I buying that he's going to be efficient, or am I... You're buying that he's not going to be efficient. Okay, yeah, well, then I will buy that, because I I think... (laughs) Give me the one where he's not efficient. (laughs) I, I mean, all you have to do is look at these last two games. I mean, your your keys uh, when looking at the Shockers have to be Samaje and McDuffie and then Echenique down low. But really, as Taylor has alluded to all season, this is, you know, number one is McDuffie, your number one target. So I think they'll continue to throw bodies at him. Uh, as much as, you know, I, I like his play this year, he still searches for consistency at times. And so, you know, I think the inefficiencies will continue. I'm gonna sell that. I think uh, I'm I'm a believer, and I'm just convinced that his outside stroke has has changed for the better, and he's just getting better elevation. And um, the key for him, like I said earlier, is just you know avoiding those force. You know when he, he just kind of you can just see it kind of click in his mind. He's like, okay, I have to shoot it this time. And you know sometimes Wichita State runs that clear out set where they they let him do that. And I don't know if that's the best idea to you know obviously Marshall wants to get him going and. You know, sometimes it can be good when he attacks and maybe gets a foul, but, you know, sometimes, a lot of the times, I would say, you know, it ends with, you know, a step back contested two. You know, as an analytics guy, those are the, the most detested things in the game is contested long long two-pointers. If he can cut that out of his game, I think he's going to get back to his efficient ways. You know, he was shooting the cover off the ball to start the season. Obviously, he's not going to shoot, you know, 47% from three uh, the entire season. But I think he can shoot in the high 30s. And if he can keep it, you know, 38 39% from three, I think he's going to have an efficient season. All right, on a similar note, we've we've pointed out, you pointed out some of Marcus, you know, forcing the issue at some times, taking long contested jumpers. Samadze has similar issues, uh, taking early three-pointers off the dribble very early in the shot clock that, you know, oftentimes can feel like a turnover with the long rebounds. So are, are those two guys, do you feel like they're just trying too hard right now to be the the key guy and it's it's keeping them from just making the right basketball play? Yeah, I mean, I'll buy that. I mean, that's you know, these are new roles for the, these guys. You know, Marcus has never been the guy. You know, Samaje hasn't even really played that much. So, I mean, being the, the guy, the go-to guy on the court is new for him too at this level. You know, he's been that guy, uh, you know, various times in, in his, his career. And I'm convinced, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. And, you know, some of the shots that he takes, you know, I, I can understand why they drive fans crazy. And, you know, I think they drive Marshall a little crazy too. You know, he called Marcus and Samaje out after the game on Saturday because of the kind of the poor shot selection they were taking. But, you know, Samaje can do things that no one else on this roster can do. And, you know, the, the key is just, you know, like I said, you know, just playing within themselves and, and searching out for those good shots and having that feel of, you know, when to, when to attack, when to take the shot, when to create for others. And we've seen flashes of it. And when it happens, you're like, man, these guys are, these guys are good. You know, this, this could be an all AAC, AAC player, but, you know, so far there's been just as many bad movements where you're like, how are these guys seniors? Uh, they're supposed to be the leaders. Are you kidding me? Uh, so those moments have to shrink, and the more you know, good moments have to you know come to the forefront here, especially you know when this team gets to conference play. 
Well, that really wasn't in the Christmas spirit, but I'm, I'm going to buy that as well. You know, a favorite quote of Shocker fans this year has been, no, 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 yes. So some of these shots they throw up do end up going in and everyone gets excited. So I don't think you can critique so much if you're cheering when those threes do go in. But I will say the shot selection does have to improve, particularly from the seniors. And, and I actually think the improvement through the rest of this year has to come from the underclassmen, has to come from all these freshmen. I want to see Jamarius Burton get back to being able to make impact plays. I want to see Mo Udeze, like uh, uh, Taylor talked about earlier, become that force down low that he can. So I, I think this team, you know, we don't need to put so much pressure on one and four. We need to start putting more pressure on these younger players as they, you know, continue to evolve within the system. Yeah, I think you saw a flash from uh, Rod Brown, too. That's another intriguing guy that, I mean, kind of goes overlooked because he was – you know, he's not in that huge freshman class, got redshirted last year. You know, doesn't really have much of an offensive game outside of, you know, 15 feet. But, you know, he really made an impact uh, in Saturday's game. Those two, yeah, those two tip-ins, you know, I, I put clips of them up on my Twitter. And, you know, his defender's heads returned and he crashed the basket. And that's what Marshall wants him to do is, you know, always crash, be the, you know, the Richard Kelly of this team. And if he can embrace that role, you know, maybe he can start seeing his minutes grow. He's only playing about seven minutes right now, so maybe if that they can get up to maybe 12, 13, that's going to take some pressure off of uh, McDuffie because he's not going to have to play, you know, 35 minutes every game. So great on the segue there, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, we've seen the younger players on this team really kind of struggle. It's almost looking like they're they're thinking too much, right, as they're trying to avoid the turnovers, avoid the mistakes. Buy or sell, do you expect that as we go into conference play, as we transition, they're going to loosen up, they're going to start just playing and able to play their game within the within the system that they've got, and they're going to start finishing some of these plays that are, are not really there right now. They're going to make those opportunities happen against the press instead of you know taking all 10 seconds just to get across half court. I'm absolutely going to buy that. I think these next couple weeks are critical. You get around the holidays, you get a lot of time off from games, still time for constant improvement. Uh, you get away from the non-conference slate where it's a new scout every single time, and hopefully, even though it's just the second year in the conference, that you kind of know a little bit more when you're going up against these uh, conference opponents uh, going into those games. And, and eventually, you, you have to get comfortable with the bright lights. So we saw, I think, La Tech was the perfect example of maybe not being ready for the moment but eventually this will just become old hat and you know pretty soon they'll have traveled to some some pretty you know neat venues played against some pretty well-known programs and so it's just playing basketball at that point yeah the, the one that that always I've said this to to many people and uh Dexter Dennis is the one that you can just see you know the the clock in his head just ticking and you know he's thinking about things and, you know this guy's a freak athlete and, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to rip off, you know, a monster dunk at some time. But, you know, right now you could just see him. He's just thinking too much, not doing. And, you know, when you're on the basketball court, that's the number one thing you want to be doing. You know, coaches try to empower these guys. They want them to not be thinking like, oh, I got to worry about this set. I got to worry about this. They just want them to be out there doing uh, being a basketball player and, you know, doing things that you've done your whole life. And, 
you know, right now Dexter, he has so much potential. You know, these guys are convinced that he's an NBA guy. And, you know, maybe we haven't seen that uh, the, f through the first 10 games, but it's it's in there. And, you know, when he unlocks that, it's going to be pretty special. And, you know, that's that's probably the case for a lot of these guys. You know, you can see Jamarius Burton just a little tentative right now. He had that great first game, and ever since, you know, had a couple turnovers or, you know, had, things haven't gone his way. But, you know, he's, he's you know, the potential is there. You know, he has that big body, uh, great uh, playmaker. And, you know, if he can make that outside jumper, he's going to be a, a real – uh, you know, two-way player for this program, and you know a lot of the. And you can you know pick apart all these freshman games, and you know if they can just you know gain that confidence, that's the biggest thing. And um, you know, like I said, I mean, it just goes back to the more games they play, the more uh, you know experiences they pick up, the more crunch time they play. You know, it's only going to make them better and more comfortable. And you know, the team that we're watching now, I mean, I think this is going to be night and day compared to you know February. March. I think this is going to be a brand new team by then. Taylor, I did want to bring up, this is not basketball related, but we did see Gene Stevenson inducted into the Shocker Sports Hall of Fame over the weekend, had a, a little ceremony there on Saturday at halftime of the basketball game. You and I both had the chance to be at the dinner on Friday night. So maybe just talk a little bit what it was like seeing all you know former MLB stars, uh, a lot of people who have contributed to the program over time, and and uh, you know talking to Gene. You had a great story it was on the cover of the sports page, I believe yesterday, uh, that uh, you know Gene and, and Wichita State finally have seemed to kind of come together. Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, you have to admit, I put on a show, uh, you know, every Christmas we, we talk or every Thanksgiving show. We've talked about our favorite sh side dish. And I always for two years, I said rolls. This and guy Dustin, is a roll guy. Dustin saw for, firsthand the damage that I can do. to no salad of rolls. <laughs> Barely touched the meat. Not nah. even sure if he had the cake. Nah. But boy, <laughs> he was eating some rolls. <laughs> I, I, I might have had a double double that night. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> That was, uh, you know, I usually do some damage at Texas Roadhouse, but that that was probably one of my finer performances. Um, but, yeah, to get back to to what you were talking about with Gene, you know, yeah, really cool to see, you know, when it ended, things were very awkward. You know, you, you never want to see a legend in their in their career like that. You know, it's almost unprecedented to fire Give someone. Give the quote. Uh, J.C. Penny. Oh, yeah, it's like it's almost like J.C. Penny, you know, firing, you know, James Cash Penny, uh, the owner, and, I thought that was a, a very well, you know, that's, that really makes the point. And, you know, Gene Stevenson built this program from nothing. You know, that's his program. You know, that stadium's not there without him. All those banners, all those things up in the stadium, that's not here here without him. And, you know, to fire him, that really hurt him, and it really hurt all the players that, that had played for him because, you know, they, he meant so much to them. And, yes, the program was declining um, but there's probably a better way to handle that to give him kind of a farewell tour. And um, so that that kind of led to a you know pretty rocky ending for those two sides. And, you know, he wasn't talking to Wichita State for basically the last three years. You know, give a lot of credit to, to the new athletic director, Dan, Darren Broatwright. He reached out, uh, said he wanted to make amends and just kind of started a dialogue. Um, I think it was the end of last year. And, you know, Gene was... He had some time to think about it, and he said he relied on his Christian faith. And, you know, uh, he said it would have been easy to, you know, kick yourself and say, why me? You know, feel bad for himself. But, you know, instead of that, he's uh, he said, like, how am I going to react to this? You know, life, he, he said, life gives you, you know, chicken poop. How are you going to make chicken salad out of it? 
And uh, that wasn't his exact quote, but that was uh, the clean version. It's a podcast, man. It's a I podcast. Mean, you can say it if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we are we are R rated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he. I mean, it was it was really cool to to talk to Gene and, and listen to how his you know opinions and how his views have have really changed since coaching and the the thing that stuck out to me though was just his passion you know this guy legitimately still wants to coach like he said uh, you know they had a really nice banquet on friday night you know they inducted him lots of roles lots of roles a lot of saturday you know saturday at the halftime of the men's basketball game uh they had a nice induction ceremony for him he said he would give all that up he would trade it all if he could still coach the shockers so that that kind of stuck with me you know this guy wants to be coaching the day he dies so, you know, it's pretty impressive to see that for, you know, a 73, 74-year-old to have that that kind of passion still to want to, wanna, you know, coach young men and, and get better at baseball. So really cool. Um, also, you know, a lot of credit goes to Todd Butler, the Wichita, current Wichita State baseball coach. You know, a lot of coaches would maybe be intimidated to have the legend they're trying to replace uh, come back in the program, but he totally embraced it. He said he was actually waiting on Gene. He was waiting for that day to hear that they had kind of made amends and and uh, you know re- repaired that relationship. So he he totally embraced it, welcomed Gene back full uh, fully. And you know Gene was around the program this this spring and you know went to a lot of games. Even was able to sit in the dugout. You know went to a lot of practices. And he said that just made him feel alive again. And uh, really cool to see that. Really cool this this past weekend to see the, all the stuff Wichita State did. Uh, retiring his number 10 jersey or number 10 number uh, first number retired in Wichita State baseball program history so really cool to see those two sides come together for a final time and give him that that feel-good ending that that he deserved he also got a skybox for life so I'm trying to figure out how do you get an invite to Gene skybox yeah I don't know if he wants that Scott he wants to be down on the field uh, coaching so I mean he's probably gonna be down in the dugout so maybe you can uh, take that spot up there (laughs) Hey, Gene, we're, we're good if you need somebody to f- warm those seats. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you listening. We won't talk to you before the holidays, so certainly uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll, we'll probably be with you next week before the new year. We'll have our AAC conference preview show, working on getting a great guest for you for that. I saw a stat the other day. There are 80 million Americans that listen to podcasts in this country. If you're one of those 80 million, let's make sure they are listening to the Talk Angry podcast. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, through our website, social media. A lot of people have Spotify these days. If you want us to go on Spotify, give us that feedback. We'll see what we have to do to get the podcast on Spotify. But overall, there's one thing you got to do. You got to rate us five stars. We just want 1% of that 80 million. <laughs> <laughs>